RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. So here we are, another installment of Closing the Distance, the opportunity that we take here at Roswell Presbyterian Church to do a deeper dive, to think about uh, what's the background to the sermons that we're hearing week to week, and we're in a sermon series at the moment. Jeff, Jeff, our senior pastor, Jeff, is kind of preaching a, a pretty uh, important message on beginnings. I'm Dan Christ, I'm one of the assistant pastors, and it's my privilege, or something, to interview him about about this sermon series and today in particular. So today, Jeff, we we kind of doing beginnings and we hit on the topic six easy steps to have a perfect family. So do you want to just talk to us a little bit more about those six steps to creating the perfect family, Jeff? Yeah, there there are no six steps. Oh, oh sorry. That must there have been is. North Point that I was looking at. Sorry. I, yeah. We don't we don't shade anybody else, but uh okay. I uh yeah, it was just you know, kind of speaking from my own um kind of experience, especially you know, the um biblical family family values movement that was in the eighties and nineties. And kind of its impact on me and then re juxtaposing it with reading the Cain and Abel story. And really there are a lot of stories in the Bible just where families are a mess and, um, you know, and how we could make sense of that biblically and then um, what that means for our own lives. So, and that we got to be grace filled folks and we can't make the perfect family. That's just impossible. I mean, I heard it as usual. I usually hear it a couple times, and and yeah, I, I had all sorts of thoughts and things going through my head. And North, like Lindsay, one of the other pastors, is usually frantically writing things down. I rarely do. I just kind of let it percolate in there, and then just kind of see what comes out. So, first of all, I need to. I, I, I guess it's a confession. Not really. I'm not embarrassed about it. But you know, I have been to several Basic Life Principles conferences. I actually met Bill Gothard. So, you know, back in the day. So I, I'm a little bit older than you, a little bit old school. And so, yes. And no, I did that. I did not then begin to wake my children up uh, to song at 630 every morning. That was that was not the purpose at all. But again, you you talked a little bit about basic life principles and a little bit about uh, focus on the family and all those things, which you then later said, not that those things were bad, but what they, they might have done was kind of set up an image or an idea of there is some perfection that can be attained uh you know if we do the right things or follow the right steps 
um, in our families. And if we're not there, then there might be something wrong. So talk, right. talk about that a little bit. Yeah, we actually didn't just do the basic. Did you do the advanced life principle conference? Oh, I did both. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, yeah see, we did too. You know, with your little workbooks, filling in the words. Oh, heck yeah. Um, yeah, and like, and people could do their own research about Bill Gothard and kind of what was unveiled about him and kind of behind the scenes. But And, I, and my thing is, I don't want to like take pot shots at any other ministries or pastors or whatever. I But I just... I want to speak out of my own experience about how I interpreted that stuff. My parents are first generation Christians. So they became Christians in their twenties. So they kind of had that devote, like hardcore devoted evangelical um, response to coming to Christ. Now, I think, are you second or third generation, Dan? Uh, third, maybe fourth. Okay. So you're like, yeah. So I'm second generation. Well, I just think once you go, second third fourth generation you just have a different relationship to your christian faith i think than a first generation convert because a convert is just balls to the wall you know on fire just going for it and you know intense you know i've seen the light you know they have that like the conversion narrative whereas second generation i was raised there was never really a time i wasn't kind of a part of a church um, right. didn't have religious talk in my life when I went to a Christian school. And so I got to see it from the inside. And all of a sudden I saw not everybody was as perfect as they presented. Um, there were a lot of hypocrisy. There was hypocrisy. There was stuff that we didn't talk about. And only later, and that's what I called it, the big lie. And that's, and it may not have been on purpose. It may have just been a one that was in my own head that is if we could become the per if we could attain perfection and I kind of focused on the family aspect today because of Cain and Abel, but we, I mean, really in any area or sphere of life talking about is if perfection is attainable, it's not. And, um, and so, and, and I think aspiring to it, we turn the family into an idol where it becomes an object of worship um, that, that should be reserved for God. And so, and I think um, that, along with getting tied up in shame um, and blame, shame and blame culture, that kind of stuff. Uh, it just makes for a toxic soup. And so I've had to do, I'm, I'm, when I say I had to go to a lot of therapy, uh, I'm not joking. And that's not hyperbole. You know, I did go to a lot of therapy and sought and talk with family therapists to kind of work through why I was the way I was, what happened to my life um, and how I got to that point. And I needed some theological therapy to come to a more healthy, uh, balanced place. Right. But I mean, I don't think you're unusual in that, whether you're second, first, second, third, fourth generation, like all of us, our families like are imperfect. And there are some, uh, unpacking unraveling that needs to be done as we grow and mature and say, well, this is how my parents raised me. And this is the impact it's had both positive and negative, you know? And so that's, that's, you know, again, it's not necessarily because there was some, hyper evangelical kind of bent it but there is that idea of uh maybe a perfectionistic tendency or a comparison and you know we you know i often talk about you know, coming to church and you know my i had four kids and i had a brother so i i get it you know and my kids on the way to church they're beating each other in the car you know who's sitting in what seat and blah 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 and you walk but you walk in that door and everyone's like 
all smiles and everyone's getting along again. Then as soon as you walk out again, it's back into the car beating on each other. And, and so there's this tendency when we're in that space of corporate worship and that kind of stuff to like, oh, we've got it all together when in reality we don't. And so I know how I've gotten to church and how miserable it was and how it's really hard for me to focus because the, the kids were really getting up my nose. And I get there and I look around and see all these other people and say, look, they've got it all together. Why don't I? Right. Like, why don't we? And that's, that's really debilitating. Absolutely. And I think there's a famous story of my, one of my old churches, not here in Atlanta, but on the West coast. And the associate pastor was doing the prayer of confession um, during the liturgy. And he kind of broke from the script and he's, and he said, um, you know, gracious, loving God, blah, 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 blah. Uh, please forgive me for punching a hole in the wall in my dining room this morning <laughs> out of irritation at my kids or something. And everybody right. kind of opened their eyes like, what? Yes. <laughs> and, but it became kind of a famous story because his vulnerability of like, you don't have it all together. And then a lot of people were like, man. I don't have it all together either. And, and we're all in this, um, we're all in this together. So, yeah. And I think that's what was, at least for me, for those who heard the sermon and were present for the worship, that's what was powerful to me. I was at the 930 service and Scott Weimer got up right afterwards. And that's obviously what resonated with him was your, your vulnerability, your kind of self-effacing, like, Hey, this was a really broken place that I was at one time and feeling like I, know how, how am i doing this role of spiritual leadership when this is what my life looks like and so that makes it more real you know that's one of yeah. the, the issues i have of us kind of being us as pastors being separated the way we are you know there's the table and there's us in robes and stoles and look how holy and we've got it all together and we're here teaching all you poor people you know out there and this is how you what you need to do to get your life together and so Again, when you preach the way you preach and say, I might have all this gear on and look the part, but I'm right there with you. That's really important for people yeah. to know. And it's, again, it's not just us. It's everyone with whom we're sitting in the pews. Right. Totally. Yeah. And I think I don't like to be too autobiographical too often. Um, right. But I felt like when you're talking about um, everybody's imperfect, you kind of have to reveal your own imperfections or... <laughs> Or it, it rings hollow. And so that, you know, and I want to talk in a really concrete way about how I've experienced grace. And I think a bunch of people, I think it it meant um, something to them. I think it's just because I don't really go down that road too often in my preaching. Yeah. Um, and so to do that, and I did it really intentionally um, because I wanted people to connect in that way um, and to and to know my story in that way, too. Yeah. And that that story that you shared about after your your broken marriage and being discipled by the elder and kind of walking on the, the street, you know, up Peachtree down down center and stuff and him taking you and hugging you. Now, I've you know, I've only been here a short time, you know, two years now, and I've heard that story at least twice, maybe three times. So that says to me a couple of things. One, that's that's a demonstration of vulnerability, but it also says that 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 moment was really impactful for you and, and kind of a, a weight, an awakening of we're none of us is perfect. Right. Yep. And I, um, yeah, and it, it was, and 
and you know, I, I don't have a lot of those conversion moments. So that right. was that was one I think that uh, really meant a lot to me. Um, you know, and I think I, you know, when I when I met Courtney after that, and you know, we dated, got engaged, got married, then have a couple kids. Like a lot of this is like way back in the rearview mirror now. Um, right. But I think it's important not to for uh, not to forget um, those important moments, especially that are so uh, poignant in in our yeah. spiritual journeys. Yeah, really, really powerful. So it's good. So I mean, what do you do with scripture that while you're kind of preaching this about you know the perfectionistic tendencies and and not kind of uh, making a family an idol or kind of worshiping the family in that regard or kind of comparing yourself. The scripture that kept coming to my mind was the scripture that comes that says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Now, how do you kind of marry those up? Like that's, if that's what we're, we're, you know, supposed to be reaching towards at the same time, we know it's an impossibility. How, how do we balance those? Yeah. Okay. So I would understand that. And I'd have to go back. It's been a while since I've looked at that passage, but I think two things I would say, number one, that, our perfection or another word we might use our holiness is given to us by grace, right? That they, because of what Jesus has done through his life, death and resurrection and sending the Holy spirit upon us, when we come to faith, when we're baptized, we live in the spirit. And so we are perfected in the spirit by, by God's grace. And then also um, I think striving for perfection is never a, um, on one hand, I can strive to get better and to be perfect without, while still knowing I'm never going to arrive. Right. So like, so like, it's like my golf game, right? I want to shoot par. Okay. I'd, I'd love to shoot 72, you know, on 18 holes and par, but probably the way it's going, that's never going to happen in my lifetime. But every time I go out and golf, I'm trying to hit par every time, even though I know that I'm not going to be successful. And I think in the spiritual life, it's kind of like that, too. We're trying. I'm trying to be a person of patience, of love, of grace. But I know I'm going to fail. But that doesn't stop me from trying. Right. And the, and the, and the attempting to get better is striving for excellence in the Christian life. But it's not trying to earn anything. Um, and that's, I think, where, like, especially like a guy like Pelagius misunderstood. Yeah. And that's where that scripture from Paul is really, really important. You know, not that I've already been, you know, already attained all this or already been made perfect. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So there's this idea in his theology that's saying, okay, I know I'm not there yet, but I'm striving, I'm, I'm attempting that, and I'm forgetting what is behind like i know what's gone in the past and i've that's i've been redeemed for that that's you know i that's in it's history and and god has worked through that and i'm i continue so in one sense your, your message today is not saying well you're completely off the hook just forget about it you know that's obviously not a solution either like we are trying to perfect our families we are trying to raise our our children and grandchildren and those we have you know relationship with to be to understand godly principles and all that kind of stuff but at yeah. the same time you know we can't feel like abject failures all the time 
you know, that, that, that paralyzes you. And so we come together. One of the things we do regularly in, in our worship and, uh, yeah, or the way that we our theology is this this time of confession is um, an important integral part of a corporate worship service. Like, yes, right. we're going to worship, we're going to hear the word, we're going to respond to the word, we're also going to confess that you know we're we're still a work in progress, God, and thank you for your grace and thank you for your mercy. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's why I love Paul's using athletic metaphors. Yeah, I mean, probably the best. Um, anecdote i have in this is when uh, steve prefontaine who was the famous mm-hmm. uh, track star and runner at oregon and he was famous for he would just push himself to the limit and he'd often pass out um you know at the end of races even though he was way ahead of any of the other competitors and a reporter once asked him they said steve or he was he went by the name pre and they said pre right. you know why do you run so hard it's so hard do you pass out and he says to honor the gift right and I love that for this like notion of acknowledging I'm gifted. I'm, I've been given gifts. Now I need to use those gifts um, to honor them. And I love that. Uh, that that's what he did. And I think Paul is drawn from the same, um, the same uh, kind of idea. All right. So let's backtrack a little bit, a little bit more in, in your story. So, you know, you're getting up from middle school through high school until you skate to college at 630 in the morning to a beautiful song. They needed a great rendition today. And you're reading five chapters of Psalms a day and a chapter of Proverbs today in order, again, to gain wisdom, to kind of infuse you and your family with with scripture and godly principles. Now, you've talked about, you know, I got out of that and I escaped. Um, but at the same time, that was it was it formed you in some way, both in positive ways and negative ways. So, I mean, you're a father of young children, all kind of stuff. Like, you know, what are the things that you are doing, putting in place to, to disciple and, and develop your own kids and, and create that some kind of godly environment in that context? Yeah. And so I think, I mean, it was fine. Like we did it, whatever, but I just right. think, you know, it's diminishing returns, you know, if you've been five years, you know, if you're reading through the book of Psalms once a month and book of Psalms and Proverbs once a month, you you eventually start going through the motions. Um, and I think you probably have to memorize though, right? You probably know those things. Inside well, I, not off the top of my head, but I'll be reading enough that it'll start coming back to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, uh, but of course, you know, like we read like the NIV version. And so mm-hmm. now with the NRSV, it kind of, it's a little different. Um, so, so for my own kids, you know, I think hopefully they'll know the stories of the scriptures. They go to Sunday school, um, encore when we can make it. Um, you know, they're surrounded by people that care about them and hear the stories. Um, you know, uh, and you know, my son Major, he loves church. He loves coming to church, which, which is pretty cool. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, <laughs> but then, you know, we pray regularly um i sing you know jesus loves me he sings it to his little sister i sing it to him that's um, awesome you know and just so like those kind of practices but i want it to be and this is what i think is so great that he loves church is like i want it to be a sense of joy and not out of obligation but it's 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 a privilege and it's not we're not guilting it, them or shaming them um in their spiritual and religious life but it's it brings joy and excitement and enthusiasm. 
and that's a fine line to walk. You talked about first generation, second generation, so major and Memphis are going to be third generation, you know, Christians. And, and to be honest, some of that's really positive and there's a maturity in that, but sometimes uh, because we have lost the, the same kind of fire, we don't pass it on to the same degree. And so, you know, this, I think it's why we see pretty significant attrition with kind of that generation, you know, the, what I call emerging generation, but under 40, it's kind of like, yeah, we, we kind of did that. And we did the church thing and it wasn't integral to my life. And I don't know that it added a whole lot. And that's sad to me as well, because obviously you and I think that these are godly principles. These are foundational to our lives and potentially by by not or what what how i'm not sure how i'm gonna say it but by kind of being reticent to to drag our kids or force our kids into some kind of faith we kind of pull back so far that we actually don't share much with them at all Mm -hmm. yeah and i think you know hopefully but i think if it's if it's valuable to you and to tell your own story and you know about religious faith and for me like I was very interested in when I did young adult ministries exclusively pretty much for you know, 10 years. One of the things I, I helped a lot of young adults try to do was give them a faith that was intellectually credible. You know, so I was working with a lot of science engineer folks, you know, so how is it, how does theology and our faith um, intersect with science? And then um, if it's intellectually credible, then it's existentially fulfilling. And so how does, the practice of the Christian life, how does it speak to my soul? And, um, and I think there's, I mean, obviously I, I would recommend the book, um, unapologetic by Francis Spufford, who says, uh, the subtitle is why, despite everything, does Christianity still make surprising emotional sense? Mm-hmm. It's uh, like five years ago is the best book I read all year. And I think, um, he just does a great job of showing how the Christian life fits the human experience and kind of the problems and questions that we have. And, um, and so I think hopefully that's, that's the, the kind of faith that our young people will experience and hear about. Um, They'll go, Oh, okay. Um, And we won't, you know, and my thing is like, I hope (laughs) we're going to make new mistakes. Like, absolutely. just because we figured out that like we can't be per, per, perfect families or whatever, well, that doesn't mean we aren't going to like screw up in a bunch of other areas. That, right. You know, our, yeah, your kids are going to be going to counseling just like mine are. It's going to happen. Yep. And that's and that's good. That's part of the human experience, and I think not to act surprised by it, but that's just part of the deal, man. Yeah. You know. And, yeah. Uh, to me, that's the beauty of the church. So there's not, there are definitely going to be times in the not too distant future where where major and you come to blows and there's some kind of discussion or i mean hopefully he always loves going to church but sometimes it's my dad you know yeah i don't understand or i don't believe this stuff but that's why in this digital age where we you know the last couple of years where particularly we spent so much time doing church like on two dimensions but at home there's a there's a we miss that connection and it's vital, I think, yep. vital for our, particularly our children, young people and that kind of stuff to be integrated in the life of the church and mixing with all sorts of people. So 
part of my responsibility. We make this responsible. We did it today. We had a baptism at the 930 service, so a little first grader. And we, as a congregation, made a commitment to that family and that child to say, we have responsibility in this too. It's not just mom and dad's responsibility. So when we see, her name was Sydney, when we see Sydney at church, to encourage her, to ask her about what she's learning in Sunday school, to, you know, how's, how's life going, to pray with her or pray for her, all those kind of things, to serve with her. We've got service opportunities coming up on Saturday with that. So last year at Easter time, we did that food packing thing. And everyone's comment was, it was so great to be mixed. All ages and stages were there just doing service together. And, you know, so, you know, the parents might've dragged them out of bed, but once they got there and they got to hang out with all these other friends and, you know, surrogate family members in this congregation, it's powerful. And so it's, it's vital for them to kind of realize, okay, dad's really annoying me right now, but I get to hang out with, Dan or Joe or Nancy right. or whoever it is that's there, and they love the Lord too, and maybe slightly yeah. differently than my dad does, but there's something real about this. Yeah, it's. I think it's one of the beautiful things about being a part of a congregation community like Russell Press. Yeah, it is. So if you are watching this, you know, you know, online or something like that, and you've been watching church online, get your butt back in church. <laughs> we need again i get can. it but if you I, can a lot of people yeah, just can. can't i understand physically, I get so. it, but it, it is it we have lost something because it's more than just an intellectual hearing jeff's great sermons or whatever and we might be stimulated in some way but there's there's a sense a deep need for community and family relationships and kind of that common confession and hey we are all in this together and i know that you were just in a battle with your family getting in the car and coming here. And so was I. Here we are in the same place at the same time just to worship and, and you know, receive what God has for us in this, this moment. And that's, it's, that's important. Absolutely. Beautiful. Yep. Beautiful. So, <laughs> I mean, we're kind of making progress through this beginnings, right? We started with, with creation and we kind of talked about the fall. And then, and then we, you know, we touched today on Cain, and, Cain and Abel, and and so you've left me to preach next week on the flood, which fortunately is not controversial at all. Like, no, every everyone kind of accepts the flood, so it would be pretty, pretty straightforward. Thank you so much for that. You're yeah. welcome. That's what I. <laughs> hey, man, you got to argue with the writers, dude. I'm just following one story after the other. If I could, I would, but since. You're the one that gave it to me. I'm just going to argue with you instead. <laughs> I think I preached on the flood like two years ago. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to, um, I should, I should take it out. Right. Or, or you can just correct all the mistakes I made. <laughs> <laughs> but it, again, so we'll be again, kind of unpacking a little bit about be great. You know, and in the beginning and kind of what all this is, this is, these are, this book of Genesis are the foundational stories and the foundational document to all of our faith, even though, again, there's no, Christianity did not exist. This is a Hebrew faith and a Hebrew text that we have kind of incorporated into our faith, understanding that it's one message right. carrying on. But there's, there's a lot, you know, it's, it's. <laughs> and again, we, you talked a little bit about like, the first we introduced between, you know, the scientific understanding and the theological understanding. We get right back into that when we get to the flood, like, you know. Yeah, so, I'm excited to see what you do with it. I'll bet you are. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so anything else going on? So I, I, I'll tell you what else is going on this week. So we've got the, the food packing, the, the service opportunity on Saturday, the following Wednesday, we've got another service opportunity. We're making sandwiches, going out to the sandwich project. So there's a whole lot of opportunities for people to come and, and be involved. And again, multi-generational engagement, service, connection. It's fantastic. That's great, man. Well, I'll look yeah. forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be good. Well, thank All you. Right, buddy. Is there anything else you need to tell us about your perfect family before we kind of wrap it up here? No, I hope my parents don't listen. <laughs> I should text them and just send a little message. Hey, you might want to listen to the sermon this week. <laughs> oh man. Surely they know. They they realize we've 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 gotten to a good place with it all and we have good healthy sense of humor and can laugh about it now. So it's oh, fine. And that's that's all part of it. So they're not getting up at six thirty in the morning any longer? No. <laughs> so are you the oldest? Yeah, I am. The so did they carry on after you went to college? The other two had to endure for another couple of years, or I think they did, but I think it like because they moved cities, so that kind of you know relaxed a little bit. My sister was living with some friends for a short time, so it was it wasn't as intense as it was when I was at home. But I needed a lot more help than my brother and sister. That that also would have been my suggestion. Like potentially, it was like okay, we got rid of him. Take a breath, everybody. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> we'll be fine without him. <laughs> All right, Jeff. All right, buddy. Well, thank you again. I appreciate it. I appreciate your vulnerability today and your, your willingness to share from your own story to help us understand God's story and our story. You bet, man. I'll see you tonight at Coordinating Council session. Yeehaw. More meetings. All right, buddy. Yeehaw. Have a good All week. Right. All right. See ya.